jokes if he wants to do them. Anyway, so I just wanted to give that kind of context for y'all so you know actually clearly what we're talking about. Enjoy the show. I'm your host, Samantha Gevgeon Clark. Welcome back to Dirty Pink Okami, a podcast on politics, poetry, and witchy shit featuring the dirtiest of the dirtbag left. Today's guest is Nathan Ward, a friend and stand up comedian who's here to talk to me about comedy and how it's actually a pretty sophisticated survival mechanism for traumatized people. Nathan, you want to introduce yourself? You pretty much nailed it. Uh, Nathan, um, I am a was a cook. I enjoy comedy very much, and I had a terrible childhood. Um, Okay, so let's talk a bit about uh, your background, like what got you started in comedy, and then maybe you can tell us a little bit about the way that you like approach it. Okay, Um, when I was young, young, earlier memories, uh, it was the horrible rapist slash comedian, Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby himself, we would go to a trailer park where we were babysat. And we would listen to it every day while Miss Pam, the lady who babysat us, would fast forward through the uh, the less than savory parts of Bill Cosby himself. Yeah, so that from there, it was my favorite thing. My brother and I would watch every late night Comedy Central uh, Presents. Um, I don't know that we had access to, we didn't have internet until years and years later, so it wasn't, I wasn't inundated with it. And then through high school, I'm sort of digested it constantly, would watch everything we could multiple times, quote it all the time. And then I had a friend who started doing stand-up in Boston his first year at Harvard. Not to brag, I have a, I have a Harvard Jew friend. But he volunteers for Ralph Nader, so he's not going to pull me up out of the gutter anytime soon. <laughs> um, so yeah, he told me I should try it out. Um, I went to, I did a joke competition at a, at a, an event he was emceeing um, and told a story about my little brother pooping on the floor. <laughs> Could barely get through it. I was laughing at myself so hard. I know I don't. I don't know if anyone else was laughing. I thought anyway. So from there, I did a bunch of open mics in D.C. Uh, moved to Richmond. Did a lot of open micing there, um, and moved here and have been sitting on my bed for twelve hours a day for the last since the sun came out. So that's cool. Oh, and philosophy. Um, I don't know. Anything goes. Uh, it's an art form. It goes beyond free speech because it doesn't have to mean anything. It's kind of like a self-serving. It's, I guess, more than like a philosophy that I now apply to comedy. Comedy has given me a lot of my philosophy on life. Um, everything is valid because it exists. If it's observable, um, if it's a part of someone's reality, you know, weirdly enough, as callous and mean as it is, as, as I like comedy to be, it's opened me up to think of other art forms as legitimate, um, opened me up to think of people's struggles as nothing to do with me, just <laughs> valid and worthy of your attention, that sort of stuff. So yeah, I guess um, my philosophy is just one of, it. don't try to censor it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me too. I don't think I've talked about comedy on the podcast before, but that is somewhat my background, but I've never done stand-up. I got started with uh, writing comedy when I started a a good old blog in 2000, I think 2010. It was when blogging was still like medium cool. A thing, cool. yeah. yeah. <laughs> medium cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think it was, it was uh, hyperbole and a half that got me going. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was I that the one with the depressed somewhere? lady who drew her own comics? That yeah. She, that, she released a couple books that were yeah. good. I, like, have, really I have funny. one of them. I have the one yeah. I think it's called Hyperbole and a Half somewhere. Yeah. She's so good. So good. It inspired me. I don't I don't draw, but um, I can write funny stories. And I, I started out writing like funny stories about work because I've had a lot of different kinds of jobs. You know, I entered the workforce in 2008, so... Uh, great timing to just have a shit ton of <laughs> Craigslist jobs and yeah. make no money. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's where I started. And I ended up connecting with um, Adam Todd Brown from Cracked at a certain point, like when Trump was running for president. I got involved in the podcast world, um, started helping him, and I still work for him, and then that's great. And then, um, yeah, so, like, I um, actually in some ways new to comedy in the sense that this is like kind of the first project I've done where I'm really trying to be funny <laughs> by talking. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's weird if you're funny in your day to day life and then you have to like um, 
formalize it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which has always been my struggle because I like I feel like I am funny in my everyday life, but mm-hmm. I usually play off of other people. I don't. Yeah, I mean, there's there's context, trust, and also there's. I mean, it's so weird. Comedy's funny in that inclusive way because. Um, Yes, there's there can be a study of it. There can be form. There's terminology that everybody uses about a turn or a premise or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who go on stage and uh, say, you know, I don't know, they just have a, a tagline that they say. And I mean, some people are just naturally funny. They don't have to observe any of those rules. There's kind of yeah. no rules to it. Yeah. I mean, seriously, if somebody got on the stage and com- compellingly farted into the microphone for a while, as long <laughs> as they bring their own mic, I'm cool with it. I think it's funny. Yeah. And it's comedy. It's not lowbrow. This well, maybe it is. But. <laughs> I mean, is lowbrow always an insult? That's the real question. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Comedy isn't in some ways like not to get to, but a little bit like the art form of the people. Well, it's subversive, and people, whether they're subversive or not, like to think they are. You yeah. know, like to think that they're fighting against something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and also it's um it's something that lets people say things without saying them. Yeah. Especially about how they feel about things, not about the facts or, you know, mm-hmm. something observable. That's pretty much covered by, you know, our collect I mean, fake news and false information is a problem and a poor education system. But expressing ourselves emotionally is really tough. Um, if you tell someone straight up, if you don't you haven't known them your whole mm-hmm. life that you're depressed, um, they call that a symptom of bipolar. You know, yeah, it's, they it's don't overshare. Really know what to do. Yeah, yeah, they don't know what to do with that. Which I kind of agree. But no, it's true because like we can't we can't handle that kind of input from other people mm-hmm. either. It's not just like that we don't know how to depend on people. We don't know how to receive it either and like help. And it makes people uncomfortable and there's no there's no place for it in our society. And that's not like I don't think that's people's fault. I think that's the way that things are set up. Like there's no way way for people to just like be honest with each other with how much we all have to deal with. It seems like part of that has to do with the ideal. We're all living the best life. We're all living our, if you want to blame social media, if you want to blame Maxim or, you know, GQ or Cosmopolitan. Yeah, sure. (laughs) We are all living the best version of our thing, um, kind of lies of omission um, or of exaggeration all the time. I mean, and it starts with your with your parents, you know, who never want to hear that you're doing poorly. Mm-hmm. Most of them, I guess. I've only had the two or, I guess, three, if yeah. you count steps. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, that's, Same. that's why I think everybody likes it, except for people who can't handle emotions at all or nuance yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. People who need to see things in black and white. You know what? It's, it, it's usually not popular amongst the morally certain. And that yes. exists on the far right and the far, far left. left. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the like the people who go because I am a I'm a very strong feminist, and yet um, I really hate the whole like rape jokes aren't funny. Oh yeah, rape jokes can be funny. Rape jokes can definitely be. But funny. But I've never written a funny rape joke. You I've know never, what's not I don't funny? Think so. What is just picking on rape victims? That's fucking not funny. But like, but like talking about your own trauma or like joking at the expense of rapists. There was a Daniel Chosh joke that was only funny in the context of him improvising it in the stand-up show. There was a huge controversy a while ago. I still don't think it was like a funny, funny joke, but it made me laugh when I heard it, mostly because of the moral outrage that I heard before I ever listened to the bit. Was it the one where he's like... She said, rape is never funny, and that was he was probably getting to some point like that. Tosh's stand-up is like provocative, and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. but it's pretty he's palatable. Not that, yeah. He's not, he's not, that bad. he's not fucking, you know, um, Lenny Bruce, you know, he's right. not, he's not shocking like that. I don't yeah. think so anyway. No. Um, so whatever he's, she said, rape is never funny. And he said, wouldn't it be hilarious if, if five dudes or whatever raped her right now? And no, that wouldn't be, that would not literally be hilarious, but that is a, that is a ridiculous and outrageous thing to say. And also, if you're in the audience and you feel as though your money was wasted because you wanted to laugh and it didn't happen and somebody underperformed, mm-hmm. I can understand if you're upset. That actually makes pretty good sense to me, but also fuck you. You know, not everything gets a review system. You're not guaranteed a good time anywhere. What other shows, even if you're offended, do you scream out in the middle of the performance? Yeah. Like, if you go to Hamilton or something and you're offended by something they say, like, okay, for example, I went to see the Book of Mormon. Which was amazing. Mm, it's really but good. But all of the people of Norfolk, Virginia weren't really expecting that it wasn't just making fun of Mormons. It was was it the fun line, fuck people. you God in the ass mouth and cunt? Oh, probably. <laughs> and it, it might, amongst other things. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe the whole Hasa Diba Iguai song, uh, song maybe did it too. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, uh, the, the, the good Christian people of Norfolk, Virginia uh, got up and left at intermission. 
and I thought that was fucking hilarious. But like, Good you know them. what they didn't do? Yell yeah, in the middle of the performance. Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. Like, you can fuck if if you think it's that bad and you think T- Daniel Tosh should be like publicly like flogged, then like write something on Medium like everybody else. Like, I don't understand screaming in the middle of the show. And if someone like bullies you back from the stage, like. I'm not saying it was a good joke, and he was being kind of dumb responding that way. It was he a jock joke. Known. It was like a frat joke, which is kind of um, kind of unfunny, just because I don't like those people. Mm-hmm. So whether or not it's funny coming from Daniel Tosh, it's like I have, you know, my own. I've been punched in the face by enough jocks in my life that I just don't like that that energy coming off of people. But I mean, with that in mind, you know, how long does it take? people who have abusive mothers to start treating women like people mentally. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Some people never get there. Yeah. I mean, same with, you know, it could be women too, but I can only speak from personal experience. You kind of have to like, if if something makes you inconsolably upset, is it the world's responsibility to adjust to your expectations or do you need to learn how to deal with it? Mm -hmm. Now, it's that's tough because victims of trauma sometimes can't. And that's where like, safe spaces and vanguard like uh, allies mm-hmm. can stand with you but not everybody in the world has to worry about you all the time yeah i agree i mean it's funny that you say that because like i like i've been through some pretty bad trauma like pretty bad ptsd and there are times when it's like it's okay it's constantly a battle if i'm feeling triggered mm-hmm. to to try to be like okay how much of this is something that i need to like calm down, maybe even ask for something. Like, maybe I need to ask people to give me space so that I can, like, deal with my shit or whatever. But, like, how much of it is the other person is doing something that's inappropriate that's triggering me, right? Sometimes someone's, like, say someone's yelling at me. It's mm. still not appropriate for someone to yell at me, but it's probably going to affect me more than a lot of other people because I have all this trauma, right? Mm-hmm. So constantly trying to, like, figure out in a situation while triggered what the appropriate response is yeah. is a lot but, like, it is also something that I look at as my burden. Yes. And, and if I'm yeah. asking other people to, like, help me with it, I'm asking them to help me, not saying you need to adapt everything to Which is my not to life. say that, that in your personal life, you know, you can't say, I, I need you to help me in this way. I mean, if somebody says, I will not or doesn't do it, you can tell them to kick rocks. You can yeah. kick them out of your life. It's like any disability. Yeah. If, some, if you Fuck feel you. like yeah. can't open doors for yourself and then, like, I don't know, you're brother refuses to help you open doors like fuck him. <laughs> well first of all yeah right? he's a real asshole yeah. it's a funny thing right about um the perfect storm of trauma where things like anger and comedy or a sense of humor um become helpful mm-hmm. especially in their exaggerated form because of certain deficiencies you may have like when you said the ability to ask for something in the last 10 years of me trying to unpack baggage I, that, that turn of phrase or even ideas never occurred to me because you grow up with people you can't ask anything of. Yeah. You know, hippy-dippy dad, abusive mom, it's just not, right. you know, neither of them are living on the same planet. And you're, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, whatever, you get a fucked up sense. So by the time it comes time to ask for something, you're already in a state of panic at the idea of expressing desire. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I completely understand that. I mean, different parents, but... Uh... Similar, Similar concepts. kind of, yeah. Well, you, you comp- overcompensate for things that you can't do. I mean, that's not even tra- you know, trauma for people. That's just everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody has got more of some and less of other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a good place to take a break. We're going to do uh, the poetry segment. We started this on the last episode. Um, this one, I'm going to... I was picked honored, the poem yet. honored by this choice. <laughs> it's going in in post. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm doing a Bukowski poem, so... I'm honored. You're honored? Yeah, Bukowski, the consummate drunk. And oh. I, his <gasps> apprentice. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to pause and then we'll be back in a second. For today's poetry segment, we're going to be reading The Great Escape by Charles Bukowski. I chose this one because I think this poem is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, given today's episodes about comedy and trauma, I think that uh, the subject matter is pretty pretty relevant listen he said you ever seen a bunch of crabs in a bucket no I told him well what happens is that now and then one crab will stand on top of the others and begin to climb toward the top of the bucket then just as he's about to make it out another crab grabs him pulls him back down really I asked really he said and this place is just like that none of these want anybody to get out of here 
I believe you, I said. Just then the supervisor walked up and said, You fellows were talking. There is no talking allowed on this job. I had been there eleven and one half years. I got off of my stool and climbed to the supervisor, and I reached up and pulled myself right out of there. It was so easy, it was unbelievable, but none of the others followed me. And after that, whenever I had crab legs, I thought about that place. I mean, I thought about that place maybe five or six times, then I switched to lobster. All right, we are back. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is um, essentially, like, why is it that as a society we end up needing humor? I mean, we kind of started to touch on this, like... Yeah, like emotional, the, the <clears throat> emotional stunting of us. Jeez, need humor, do we? So that's like the common self-deprecating thing about uh, humorous comedians, artists. Um, well, a lot... A lot of artists, I think, are pretty high on their own supply. That can be true of mega-famous comedians, but I think cynicism and self-deprecation uh, are kind of, you know, inherent. Mm -hmm. So uh, the first thing I would say is that it, maybe it's not. Um, but the second thing I would say as a cynical person is nothing's necessary at all. You know, everyone dies at the end. So food and water and sleep, <laughs> those are the necessary things. Um, why is it helpful to other people? Well, because then, you know... Everybody gets to quit being so fucking serious all the time. I think face value has a lot to do with it because yeah. people don't know how to laugh deep belly laughs. And sometimes it takes a spot of insanity. Mm -hmm. um, and just like anything else, you know, I've, I've outsourced um, every chair I've ever had to somebody else who's taking care of chairs or ta chairs, tables. Mm -hmm. We're kind of all taking care of each other. And some of us are, are good at being funny on command. I don't know. And I don't think it's a, it's a good thing to be. I don't think um, I don't think it's a healthy thing. That thing to be. I am. That's not. It's a good not thing. a good thing to be. Well, it's not a happy thing to be. I don't think you're no. the only thing you take seriously is comedy. I mean, yeah. that's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, crazy. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I, I think I think you have a point there. Like, okay, if if people if people need it from each other so badly, like this is this is more what I'm asking. Mm. Like, if the if society relies so much collectively on comedians and like they, they skyrocket to this level of fame and not just fame on their own account, I think it's important that it's like some of the, the most relied upon news sources are comedians. Mm, that's a really good point. Okay. So, uh, maybe there's a certain like focus by unfocusing, uh, people get really angry about the great injustice of the world. People get really mm -hmm. scared of dying. Um, so by sort of loosening up a little bit and having a more nuanced view of something through absurdity, which mm -hmm. is like the human brain has to be tricked to believe things. It's so, yeah, it's the, the smartest thing that is. And it's so stupid. Um, yeah. Okay. So it, yeah, the collective tension relief and I think, um, like actually grappling with how dark things are. Yeah. Yeah. And also how dark you are. You, yeah. the audience goer, I mean, yeah. um, you're being forgiven for laughing at horrible things because sometimes mm -hmm. things are just funny. I mean, and sometimes I they're like, yeah, you're right. Like there, there's almost a little bit of a, uh, a forgiveness cycle in, in doing it. It's almost like confession. Like I've you're always... going and you're laughing at something horrible, then you're, but you're, it's okay. Everyone around you is also laughing. And then you're like, okay, well I, I don't have to, I don't have to really think this. Mm -hmm. I can think it's funny. And I don't have to be that way. And I can forgive myself for laughing, and it's all okay. Like, I've, I've dealt with this now. Yeah. So crying, diarrhea, vomit, and intense laughter. All funny things? or All funny things. <laughs> <laughs> but all purges from yeah. your body um, that feel um, you feel immense relief afterwards, but kind of like high stress during, especially mm -hmm. before. Um, you know, you get there's there's something about your gut biome being messed up yeah. ties into anxiety or something. I read a headline on the internet years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it, but but people don't go into comedy knowing, like watching comedy, knowing they're nervous. I don't yeah. think no, that's don't think like so. that is the great art of comedians. Is it looks effortless and it's. It's stupid, but it's incredibly smart in a way. It's it's like pure human the the, the ability to read people purely, and yeah. then do what you want with that ability. 
I mean, you know, people who write great drama are pro- capable of the same thing. I've never been a fan, personally. <clears throat> yeah, it's not, it's not really my style most of the time. So it's weird because comedy seems like an expression of truth. Like people, you have to, you have to be an authority to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Very few comedians that I know of, uh, Maria Bamford, Jeremy Holtz from back in the 90s, he had a couple specials, um, play a character that's sort of a nervous wreck, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, Stephen yeah, Wright, yeah. of course. Um, yeah, but most of them are like coming out. Confident, because that's what yeah. you need to do to deal with audiences. Um, but it's rooted in absurdity. Very yeah. few comedians, I think, they say a glimmer of what they mean when they're like, oh, that was a fucked up thought. There might be something there. So it's this weird balance of, you know, we're, we're lying um, mm-hmm. to expose a greater truth. Right. It says something about our perception of society and reality. I, I actually don't think it's good for society. I think it's good for people. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's like a, I mean, this is why I, I've kind of uh, framed this as like a survival mechanism. Because it's kind of like, I mean, PTSD is also like not not really good but it's a it's a survival tactic right mm-hmm. and it's your 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 body is smart and it is trying to protect you and i think that your brain does the same things including with like latching onto comedy we like i feel like we were getting somewhere important with the like grappling thing mm-hmm. because we want to think about the world we want to understand we want to deal with the dark shit um about the world and about or can't help it. and each other a little bit of both a little bit of both yeah and like it's like the, all of society is like set up in this way that it kind of just numbs you to what's going on and like this is this is one of the ways that people like push past that and i think that's part of why it can take sort of a subversive uh appearance even when it's not doing it it's like it's kind of the the point originally Sort of like a protest, right? A protest is, is like, itself a subversive thing. And so even the fake ones take on an appearance of being subversive. Like Mm. that fucking Pepsi ad, right? Jesus, that Pepsi ad. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I mean, That's still funny to me. Yeah. I saw, I I watch, sometimes I watch videos of people beating the shit out of each other online to give myself anxiety attacks for no reason. Sounds smart. Makes me feel horrible, but I do it. I'll (laughs) sit there for hours and do this, like, live leak to hell. Um... (laughs) And I saw a guy, one recently, where these two guys are beating the shit out of each other, and the cameraman's just holding out a Pepsi. <laughs> that was great. Um, okay, hold on. So, backtrack just a second. Um, Travel mechanism, PTSD. So, subversive, yeah. So, it's subversive in a way, too, because honest, this is such a 1984 thing, I think. Um, honesty is subversive, right? Mm-hmm. If you say, hey, fuck you to somebody, and you're like super direct when that's exactly what you'd like to say. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's you're not supposed to do that. No. I guess. <laughs> I guess some people can't help it, and then they get on stage and say "fuck you" to you know a hundred people or whatever, or to one specific woman, and maybe right. like I hope you get raped by five people. Yeah, I mean, dude, it is it is weird, right? Because um, not everybody feels the way about comedy that ugh, you can't say proper comedian without being an asshole. That a comedian thinks about comedy. So you get all these people who um, are not comedy fans who are looking at comedy fans. Mm-hmm. That was air quotes. That doesn't exactly translate. Comedy, comedy fans. fans. Yeah, I'll italicize it. <laughs> um, and seeing like people who believe comedy. Really, I, well, I, mm-hmm. I'm kind of going off the road here, but stupid people are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I um, think like people are taught to be stupid, and what ends up happening is it's not enough That's people why. like turn that over and become smart but i don't think most people are stupid i think most people are taught to be stupid and aren't given any kinds of tools to actually overcome it and a lot of people don't really want to because it's easier not to i don't think you need to be taught to be stupid not because people are inherently stupid i think people are inherently curious at the very least Mm -hmm. um if you've ever met a child yes Uh, (laughs) but (laughs) stupidity is so useful yeah. Like, you don't have to hurt in a lot of ways. Um, you don't have to think about a lot of shit. Yeah. You just sort of just it's are. also kind of a survival mechanism. Yeah, but just I mean... Just dumbing yourself down. People anything do that... It. I was going to uh, say anything that doesn't <clears throat> kill alcohol. you. Alcohol? Yeah, right? Dude. I mean, you, did you know... Dude, okay, just going to be a little bit of a, a politician for a mm-hmm. second here. Did you know that they used to give workers alcohol on the job, like in factories? Good. Yeah, well, that's it's, great. <laughs> it, it's I, it, I have to compare it sometimes to the way they used to give like coca leaves, and 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 later on, like Hitler gave methamphetamines and shit to his soldiers. Like, I think he he was like, on to something uh-huh. <laughs> for sure. I mean, yeah. it's like I want more effective workers. I'm going to make them drowsy and happy. Well, they figured out pretty quickly that the answer was actually shift drinks, mm. right? 
like give them booze afterward, numb them down, send them home. Not angry at the things that they've just done. Yeah. Wow, the Pavlovian response of, um, I just had a day of work and now I'm relieved, happy, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work if you're angry all the time, though. It doesn't. And also alcohol does make some people angrier. I mean, not when I'm drinking. It makes everybody angrier. Just not <laughs> always at the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it will wear you down and make you an angry so person. Quickly. Yeah. I definitely drink a lot. Yeah. So this is not a judgment. This is. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm free with it. I, you know, I've been on like a week and a half full on bender, like just haven't, Ooh. haven't not had anxiety waking mm-hmm. unless I was drinking really heavily. Mm-hmm. I've got a nice glass of water in front of me. Mm-hmm. I only drank, uh, I drank in the single digits last night for the first <gasps> time in a while because I had to do this today. Ooh. Had to have some wits about me. Damn. <laughs> I'm yeah. surprised you aren't like covered in acne right no. now. No. I do have a sore in my mouth that I'm concerned about. But I think it was just dry skin. Mm, yeah. It's been dry. From drooling mostly. When you, oh, well, you know, you know if, you, if you have <laughs> alcohol in the double digits and then pass out, mm-hmm. you are more inclined to drool. I didn't know that. I've never seen myself <laughs> drooling. You never woken up like with a puddle of drool underneath your face? I have no. never done that. Never. Is your, uh, <laughs> is your bed situation not absorbent? <laughs> I mean, never woken up in a puddle of anything. Enough, apparently. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so yeah, so we were, it's a struggle to engage with trauma in ways that, you know, you've got your options which are outside the norm probably, because your experience is outside the norm. Medication, therapy, um, comedy, (laughs) anger, you know, extreme, extreme interventions are needed for some people. Oh, cults. Cults, yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, pr- grand promises. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the problem with comedy in like a in a troubled mind, which is anybody I think who does it. I don't yeah. know that there's very many wholesome comedians out there. I don't think they exist. Maybe Jerry Seinfeld. No, but he was like oh, he's with he's a very a young dick. woman, you right? You can just tell he's a dick. I think he's Sorry, also with like an eighteen-year-old. Allegedly, allegedly I'm not a dick. Get in trouble for slander. I don't think it's weird to say podcast. that a billionaire is probably not like gonna give you the time. If I had a billion dollars, I would tell everyone to go fuck themselves. Yeah, even I if would I didn't turn mean into it. a dick. Yeah, just for fun. Yeah, yeah, money would. Make Billionaires me a suck. Yeah, that is the official stance. Eat of this the podcast. rich. <laughs> I was, I, so you know, that saying. This is neither here nor there, but um, <laughs> that uh, it's immoral for billionaires. It's not even a saying. It's sort of a recent soundbite. It's immoral for billionaires to live side by side with you know people in poverty. Mm-hmm. Is it immoral to be an American in? A world of starving people, and you know, your Slightly. average American. I mean, a little bit. It's not too much an average American can do about it, right? In um, a given moment. So then, everything's but. immoral because everybody has something worse off than you. So fuck it, just be an immoral person. Yeah. Um. The first episode <laughs> of this of this podcast, we I talked to um some friends of mine that were all they're all leftists and all ex-religious, mm. and we talked about a lot of that. Anyway, one of them uh was Orthodox and studied a lot of like uh. Christian philosophers from like a long time it's ago. It's an oxymoron. <laughs> Surprisingly, not. I know all the answers. Well, yeah, I know, well, I know. there's different. Yeah. There's you know, deists, theists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, some of them are kind of cool. Like this guy. I don't hate John the religious, Chrysostom. by the way. I just um, hate uh, preachers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, very fair. Yeah. But John Chrysostom was saying something about. I think it was John Chrysostom was talking about like uh, how he th- he thinks it's immoral. If you own two coats and someone else has zero, like that's like that's super old. That's a really. I don't old think it's philosophy. immoral. I think it's just uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable if I'm eating a sandwich that I'm full halfway through, and the person next to me doesn't have any food. Yeah. You just just give I them the other half the sandwich. It just feels good. It's natural. It's for natural us to take care of each yes. other. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was. I saw something the other day that was like um, the distillation of thousands of years of philosophy. In one sentence is, um, I don't do bad things because it makes me feel bad. I would say that seems pretty reasonable. It's a little bit of an oversimplification. I mean, I think most philosophers would hate that, but um, as someone who uh, hangs out with philosophers and isn't one, I love it. Because, like, one of the things that I'm, like, constantly teasing all my philosopher friends about is, like, okay, yeah, like, that's all useful and stuff, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the answer is still something practical. <laughs> like, well, it's funny, though, right? Because it's you're making fun of a philosopher in a sense, you know, ribbing, having fun yes. at the expense of a philosopher like for thinking about thought. Well, what the fuck is comedy? Yeah. It's it's not thinking about thought, but saying it anyway. <laughs> yeah, actually, okay, so funny story. I'm reading a book by a philosopher, uh, Badu, and it's about poetry. And that's Erica? 
Badu, the philosopher. <laughs> oh, man, I want to read a book by Erica Badu about poetry. Anyway, no, unfortunately, it's a dude. Hey, Erica, how Elaine. do you spell whatever just came out of your fucking face? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's about poetry, and it's by a normal, boring philosopher, but I actually really like him. His name's uh, Elaine Badu, and it's about... Um, he, one of the things that he talks about is... Uh, Basically that, like, poetry is necessary because it does something that philosophy can't do, which is translate being into into an expression without thinking. Mm. And I do think in some ways comedy can do the same thing. So not being hijacked by your emotional center, your intellect, it's a therapy 101 kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, you are not your thoughts. You are not your feelings. You are what you decide to be. You're, you know, you're whatever you want to be in your downtime. <laughs> Yeah. Just don't be an asshole. Or whatever. I think that's what my therapist told me. Something, um, something along those lines. Uh, well, you know, I make, I've made fun of poetry to you before. If you've got something to tell me, you don't have to make it rhyme. Just go ahead and just go ahead and say it. <laughs> and yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's, just be direct. But, but that's there not are poetry. Some, to me, like, in my opinion, because I, I agree with you, I hate, um, I hate poetry that finds a flowery way to say something you could just say. To me, poetry is useful when it actually, like, says something you couldn't say in mm -hmm. a normal way. Yeah, if it was going through... You know, your um, not your rational center because poetry can be rational. Maybe it's it's not going through a certain filter in your brain where where emotions get translated into something that needs to fit your reality. Yeah, you can express deep sorrow um, through writing or a novelization, anything mm -hmm. like that, fiction. Um, that if you lived, if you explored it fully in your life, you know, in some practical or manifested way, you'd ruin your fucking life. Yeah. You'd be dead in a month if you just let, if you really explored that through your own being. So right. you put it on the page, you put it on a character, you know. Put it in a you, joke. Um, I don't fuck with your neighbors, ruin their lives instead. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Any of these are valid options. Right. That's funny. You know, I'd say that, I said that tongue in cheek, but it's, that's how a lot of people get through their, their lives mm -hmm. by making other people miserable. It's true. That's the us versus them, I would say for, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of infighting in every camp, mm -hmm. but, um. People who fuck with others to make themselves happy. Yep. And people who don't or and try the, not to. Yep. And in my opinion, the the re, the real the real difference between <clears throat> what's actually right wing and what's actually left wing is: do you at the end of the day is the point being for everyone being us, or is the point that there is always an us and a them? And this is the big issue that I take with a lot of other people on the left and why I think that they need to change their shit because there's a lot of leftists who actually have right-wing ideas about us versus them. Don't look at even, like, for example, like, Donald Trump is a human being and what I technically. want... Technically. Technically. He's a homo He sapien. could have been a human being. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, like, I'm fighting for his soul as much as anyone else's. Do I think he probably needs to be guillotined not by me who knows maybe along the way probably like realistically there's no way to change the world without guillotining donald trump mm -hmm. i am um, this this podcast does not endorse guillotining anyone <clears throat> um but he but like at the same time like i'm my, my goal is actually like fighting for him to not exist the reason it's upsetting it's us. so upsetting that a person is um is suffering that much is living a life so unexplored is living yeah. such an unexamined life it's it's um it's a fear response in a lot of people to say if i was that were i that person um if your empathy chips a little supercharged especially were i donald trump i would be so profoundly unhappy that i yeah. can't bear thinking about his point of view yeah it's like you know it's anybody who's horrible imagining or has a horrible life imagining yeah. being them it's easier to say Fuck all that. I can't even... I don't yeah. even want to begin to process that. Yeah. And with Donald Trump, it happens so quickly. He's on such a public stage. Yeah. I mean... And he's such a horrible person. Like, And he's so fucking... dumb. Or so incurious. I don't yeah, know if he's dumb. Incurious. He doesn't care to actually know. He would rather have reality built for but him. But he's got that useful stupidity. Mm -hmm. He just knows how to use it really yeah, well. Really well. And he's got all the stupids behind him. Yep. They fucking love him. Yep. Yeah. And look what look what you sociopaths. two can achieve. It's the sociopaths that scare me. And I don't know if that's technically the right like medical term for it, but to me like a sociopath is different from like say I think Donald Trump's a narcissist. I think he mm. wants to have a fake reality built for him to like boost him so he doesn't have to deal with things. Sociopaths to me, the difference is that they they are curious. 
when they do ask questions and they still come to the same fucking conclusions that narcissistic types do. Well, they sociopaths still make have shitty decisions that are completely unsocial. But do, it seems also that sociopaths like well, I don't know. I wouldn't know anything about like the actual designation of this, but in my colloquial understanding, I would say maybe a sociopath uh, has an objective, whereas a narcissist has a need that needs to yeah. be fulfilled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A sociopath doesn't have a, an emotional need. They don't. They're outside of the food chain, as far mm-hmm. or food web, as far as that goes. But I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's also really hard to know because it's so like it's hard to study people who think like that because they are so unself-aware a lot of mm. the time, especially narcissists. Like nar- the the study of narcissism is incredibly like all over the place. Speaking of narcissists, comedy and comedians, <laughs> it's a weird thing because I think it's full of narcissists and people who are really scared that they're narcissists. Yep, I would agree with that. It leaves it does like make an easy platform for actual narcissists. But I think a lot of the people who are more genuinely drawn to it are people who are terrified of being that. And it's mostly probably because they're so self-reflective and they spend so much time in their own head. Mm. Traumatized people are often afraid of being narcissists in general, I think, because they spend so much time in their own heads. like Or they were raised by narcissists. Things. Or that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, like, I was, I was raised by a narcissist um, and then married to one. And uh, I worry that I'm either that or that I am incapable of spotting it. At any given moment. I mean, all right, so, I'm, again, I can't reduce psychology, especially because, I mean, I think it's personally been extremely helpful in my life, therapy. Uh, I kind of have spotty attendance mm-hmm. records, but every time I go, I learn a major thing to think about for the next year mm-hmm. or forever. Also acid. Also acid, too. But therapy is better. This therapy podcast better endorses therapy and not acid. <laughs> yeah, unless, you know, you got acid and, you know, not around a therapist. Just do the acid. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good point. Uh... I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. No, it's fine. You learn something Um, big every time with therapy. Oh, but it's something to do with narcissism. Oh, yeah, so I can't reduce all of um, (laughs) therapy or psychoanalysis down to, um, you know, that that it's just a language that, like, math that's useful to use. But I have to remember that sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, medical science, uh, philosophy, mathematics, these are useful tools for understanding, for further understanding. And as soon as you're using words to obfuscate you're kind of missing the point of language unless you're doing comedy in which case that's kind of the point right. it's not re- no it's, it's meant to reveal <laughs> but you're you're doing it in a weird fucking way maybe there's like um that emotional disconnect that can happen with people um mm-hmm. helps feed somebody coming at conclusions in a roundabout way mm-hmm. you still want to feel good about the world um but you might have to start with everything's terrible forever and life is shit wall to wall um, but it's gonna be okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense, because people, people want to be able to deal with shit without, um, going home in a puddle of tears, really. Mm-hmm. And if you've laughed, you actually, like, are physically doing something that's good for you, too. You're releasing endorphins and shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're doing something that's good for your body. You're getting that kind of cleansing feeling, and, um, you know, you don't, you don't have to think about it too much afterward. When did you start... When did you realize you were funny? That's such an annoying question to ask. But no, because yeah. I like I didn't. I think I actually might have been funny when I was younger and didn't know it. Because I didn't think I was funny until after I started the blog and tried for a while, like a few years into it. And I was like, By okay, the way, I think I'm getting the hang of this. Quick interruption of a question I asked a person. Saying that, I'm not saying like, why are you a funny person? It's it's <laughs> the ability to turn funny on and off. Everybody in the world is funny. Every human, mm-hmm. a human who smiles at you and trips a little bit. I mean, that's. As funny as it gets. Yeah. Talking about the ability to be funny. On purpose. On purpose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it wasn't until, ooh, realistically, yeah, uh, probably like four year, four or five years ago. Like yeah. not that long. I, I didn't think I was, I mean, partly because I'm a woman. Like pe- people don't yes. people tell you you're Outside not Outside of the bounds of a relationship. Yep. People generally aren't willing to give. Well, and even then, my relationships were with shitty people who didn't laugh at my jokes or read my shit. And mm-hmm. so, like, they, you know, they were trying to undermine me. So, like, they, they weren't exactly, like, encouraging my jokes. I mean, it was honestly, a lot of it was being in relationships with people who did think I was funny. This might be, like, um, you know, in terms of uh, gender norms or identities or whatever on the wrong side of history. But in my, this is my, I'm speaking to my personal experience, which I think is fair. Um... It took me a while to figure out how to, especially with regards to a sense of humor, see my significant others have been exclusively women. Um, Not bragging or anything, it's just the case. Um, 
it took me a while to, to sort of think uh okay you're a whole whole person with a with a with a as formed of a, of a worldview as i have so your sense of humor i just you need to pay closer attention to that person to give them the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. if they're not like you are i'm right. pretty i have a lot of things about me being a little bit of an outsider weirdo who cares mm -hmm. um maybe you're feeling isolated but i am traditionally a dude in quite a lot of ways and so I don't think that's the wrong side of history. I think what you're saying is like, it, you're acknowledging that like if you're no, I just to don't dude... mean to say that people need to um, look at their opposite gendered uh, significant other and then learn to understand them in the, because they're of oh, the opposite they're gender. Oh, because they're so different. Because they're whatever. so of the opposite gender. Right, yeah, right, right. that's I see what you know, you're saying. that's been part of my experience. It sounds to me like you're saying like if you're raised to be a dude, especially in West Virginia, yeah. like then you like then you're you're taught to look at other people as very different from you, and you have to unlearn that. Yeah, I mean, it's also just, it just is that way. We're limited, you know, it's, we're the smartest, we're the smartest monkeys, but we're not all that that's smart, we're still say. monkeys. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. Um, yeah, I don't, it's, it's, we're just not um, automatically receptive and warm to everyone we come across. And I don't think mm -hmm. you have to. But if you're going to hang out with people and date them and profess to like an art form or something like that, you... You have to open your mind. There's plenty of comedy that does not make me laugh at all that I used to, I used to think when I saw that, that's bad. And mm -hmm, if you've mm -hmm. ever tried to make something, ever tried to write a book, make a movie, you start to see any finished product as fucking amazing. Yeah. It's like, so impressive that you, you managed to do that. how did you even complete that? Yeah. yeah. How did you, how does somebody paying you mm -hmm. to do this right yeah. now? Yeah, I think that's my big struggle with Instagram poets, not to totally derail us, because uh -huh. I think that they're doing something valuable, and it's still really impressive, and it's cool that, like, the kids are reading poetry, but I hate it. I hate almost all of it. Mm. It sounds like someone saying a thing, a sentence, and then... Yeah, but that's how I feel about uh, Twitter comedians. I think it's it's a it's a less... It's less good. I like Twitter comedians. <laughs> I like I like the Twitter-style joke, but I think it's easier. Oh, um, definitely. You it's mean the stand-up? not sustained. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But also, there are people who read way better on paper. They're way funnier. I mean, humorists oh, yeah. versus comedians. And I mean, God love them. I, I'm not good at that. I don't oh, know. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I can't. I don't even write jokes at all. I say things in conversation that I think are funny and then mm. keep saying them until nobody laughs. You know, the first ten times I tell other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or one person laughs and I decide that's gold. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think people come at their their sense of humor differently. Dude, I read this thing online earlier today. It made me so mad. Earlier I said something to the effect of comedians only take, a lot of comedians will only take comedy seriously. Mm -hmm. And it was somebody writing about, this is how a religious joke is done. It was on Reddit. You've all seen it. Everybody's on fucking Reddit. None of us want to talk about it with good cause. <laughs> it's a fucking cesspool. It's a horrible place. It's, horrible. it's the worst place. <laughs> and so many different and interestingly horrible weights. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, ugh, God, I just I had a douche chill run down my spine <laughs> from Reddit. So anyway, it was it was a pretty funny joke. Apparently, it was a, a Hindu Hindi comedian um, Hindu because Hindi is the language. Whatever, who cares? Um, I think so. Which the poster called them a Muslim. So you know, oh, God. their their uh, SJW point was a little bit undermined in this. <laughs> And the title of the thing was, this is how a religious joke should go. And the, the meat of it was, uh, guy's playing football, gets hit so hard he sees Jesus. And he says, can you imagine being hit so hard you see somebody else's God? It's fun. A little funny. You know. It's not very good. It's not super punchy, I but... I feel like it doesn't do anything. It's fine. It's all right. It's a fine Twitter joke. I'm okay with it. You know, a status update type. I'm not yeah. really a comedian. Like, I'm not trying. I'm just throwing this idea out there. Yeah. It's fun. It's your Tuesday afternoon Twitter joke. Sure. It's fun, not funny. Right. But it boiled my fucking blood when they were like, this is how a religious joke is supposed to look. Like, because they were, they, then the whole thread, I got on there immediately. It was like, I'm waiting for, <laughs> who's the first person that's going to say fuck you to this guy? And it didn't take long, thankfully. <laughs> but the, for, you know, the top of the, you know, top of the tops, whatever that fucking thing's called, uh, for, I don't know, a few paragraphs worth, was uh, the rules of comedy. You don't punch down. You don't do this. Yeah, well, sometimes you say, big train, at the end of every joke, and a room full of people loses their fucking mind. Yeah. Sometimes and... the best jokes actually break the rules. Like... Yeah. I love punching down. It's so much fun. It's good to learn the rules so that you can break them sure. on purpose. Yeah, yeah. It's the same as with writing. It's the same as with anything. Like, It's good to know the rules because then you are being responsible when you break a joke. Break them. Right. Like, you don't want to punch down in a way that gets you 
oh, you know, murdered on the internet like Daniel Tosh. Or not even that. You don't want to. You don't want to punch down in a way that doesn't accomplish the objective of trying to be funny. Yeah. Even if you I, fail, absolutely. you can usually tell when somebody's trying to be funny. Also true. Yeah. yeah. And if you can't stop watching comedy, yeah, because it's not for you. Watch really? fucking Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Or a rather, or, another television show. Or anything show. else that's not yeah. comedy. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a comedy. Well, I mean, I, I don't know that I would qualify. Stand up. I mean, in order to <laughs> command someone's attention, you got to go to some weird places sometimes. Yeah. Well, also, okay, so, like, it also, here's the thing. Like, c- comedians, yes, if they fuck up and say something stupid and hurtful, like, really bad, like, just, sorry, that was a bad joke. And then move on. And then everyone else, can we just agree to let it go? Like, yeah. you know, if we agree to apologize and then we agree to forgive, then nothing has to be that big of a deal and there can be more room for Dude. that kind of but experimentation. But if, right, if that was true in comedy, the world would look so different because that would be true across other disciplines. Politics. It would be so nice though, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Actually, no, I'm glad that not everybody's nice because then I would have to be nice all the time. Can you imagine the hell of everybody feel this is a surreal like a, a you don't have to be nice all the time it gives you more play. room for experiment so you don't have to be nice all the time as but we long have to as forget. you're just like yeah. oh my bad like if sure. everyone is like you fucked up then be like okay my bad Sorry. and then we go okay you're bad moving on like actually forgiving but also i mean does an artist a comedian uh or does a painter apologize for a missed brush stroke it's just because they're words and words feel like they have so much power I mean, part of comedy is robbing words of their power, weirdly that's enough. A good, no, that's a really good point. I never really thought about it like that. All right, so there's qualities that we overvalue. Uh, charisma, attractiveness, uh, intelligence to a certain degree. It, we value them so much. They're valuable qualities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we value them so... Maybe less attractiveness. But we value <laughs> them so much that everybody feels like they have to have all three of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the case. It's one of the reasons people don't like comedians a lot of the time, because it's an assertion that I am more of this than you, which people take umbrage with. Guys can like, I mean, it's, we're, talk, mm-hmm. we're talking about guys here. Oh, yeah, yeah. In terms of like rejecting comedians and vice versa. You know, if it's a particularly body guy joke, you're probably not going to offend a guy as much as you will a gal. Yeah. Makes a little more sense, but you know. Anyway, <laughs> um, I kind of forgot where I was going at the beginning of that. Sorry, listeners. Oh, no. I always lose my train of thought. Yeah, it's easy to do. Yeah, it's a train with no tracks. You know what we should do? We should end the episode there. Okay, great. Because you're going out on a low note. All right, cool. Sounds good. Nathan, everybody! Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Um, Okay, but actually, we're not really going to end right there because... I have to at least share, you know, my Twitter handle and stuff. Sure, yeah. you're welcome to do so if you also... Okay. I, I don't think... Yeah, you don't have to share where people can find you, but if people sure, no, wanted to know more you about your stand-up first. or whatever. Okay, well, you can find me on Twitter at DirtyPinko, or you can email me at DirtyPinkoCommie at Gmail. Um, I prefer flattery and compliments and praise, but you can also send me comments and suggestions if you want to. And you can get my books on Amazon. Do that. Samantha Gibb, Jan Clark. Uh, I have no social media except for a Facebook that, under someone else's name. Uh, I do not have a phone number, uh, but you can find me sitting on my bed uh, for hours and hours a day. That's f- uh, Portland, Oregon, 97202. So <laughs> Apartment number 18. Oh my God, don't. The blinds are always open. Um, I don't always wear clothes walking around the apartment, so come at your own risk. Uh, you can find my comedy in dozens and dozens of composition notebooks scattered <laughs> across multiple states. And occasionally I'll be brave once every month or so and do, do an open mic. <laughs> All right. So come find Nathan's house. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.